I regularly try to meditate on the transience of all things, as the romance of the Three Kingdoms reminds us at the start and end of its epic narration of the crumbling and building of empires, it is a general truism of this world that anything long divided will surely unite, and anything long united will surely divide. Or think of the Epic of Gilgamesh, probably the oldest story we still have access to. In it, King Gilgamesh and his friend Enkidu do battle with great monsters and save their city. But then Enkidu gets sick and despairs at seeing all of the things he accomplished in life. Quoth, While Enkidu lay alone in his sickness, he cursed the gate as though it was living flesh. You there, wood of the gate, dull and insensible, witless, I searched for you over twenty leagues until we saw the towering cedar. There is no wood like you in our land. Seventy-two cubits high and twenty-four wide, the pivot and the ferrule and the jam are perfect. A master craftsman from Nipper has made you, but oh, if I had known the conclusion, if I had known that this was all the good that would come of it, I would have raised the axe and split you into little pieces and set up here a gate of wattle instead. Ah, if only some future king had brought you here or some god had fashioned you. Let him obliterate my name and write his own and the curse fall on him instead of on Enkidu. And here, after all these years, the gate has rotted away to dust and Enkidu's name has been forgotten. I like to think of Percy Bysshe Shelley's poem, Ozymandias, that contains the lines, and on the pedestal these words appear, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings, look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair, but nothing beside remains. Or we could even think of humble Cyrus the Great, the founder of the Persian Empire, who conquered almost everything it touched, and his tomb is a small stone monument, is scrubbed with the words, Passerby, I am Cyrus, who gave the Persians an empire, and was the king of Asia. Grudge me not, therefore, this little earth that covers my body. It is worth remembering that all roads eventually get covered up, and all names are eventually forgotten, that wood rots, that rocks crumble. Will anything be left to memorialize the human race after our cities fall to ruin, after our descendants forget how to read or speak or walk upright, after our satellites fall from orbit, after the moon stops turning in the sky, after the sun swells up and swells the earth, and the heat and the plasma boils the electrons from the atoms which once composed everything and everyone we ever touched? You'll be happy to know that the answer is yes, because in 1977, two robotic space probes were directed outward, sent on a mission to take close-up color photographs of the giant planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, and Uranus. Each stop along the road, they took advantage of the gravitational slingshot effect to speed up faster than any other human-made object. And now they are farther from us than anything that human hands have ever touched. They've left the solar system and entered interstellar space. These are the brave Voyager space robots. And they're more than interstellar detritus. They carry with them gold records with human music, sounds, and digitally encoded photographs. They contain directions to find our planet and a way to tell how old the information encoded there is. These brave machines will probably never be found and they'll circle our galaxy until our galaxy collides with Andromeda. And then they'll circle something new. They're an epitaph to our civilization, our species, our planet, even our star. They're out there. They'll always be out there. And they'll never get reinscribed like Enkidu's gate or looted 
like Cyrus's tomb. As I said, sometimes I like to meditate on the transience of all things, in part because it buffers a person against feeling disappointment in life, and in part because with an objective viewpoint, you can recognize when something really, really amazing has been accomplished. Oh boy, it's Encyclopedia Brunch. My name is Tim Dobbs. Hey, and with me. Hi. As, oh, hi. Oh, yeah, she's here. Oh, <laughs> oh, there's there's someone else here. No one told me that Catherine Coger had snuck in. Ha ha! I gotcha. Oh, I just stopped in to say it's good to be here. Now I'll be going. No, come back. I want to do an episode with you about the Voyager I don't want to program. Disturb you. <laughs> Oh, I didn't see you there. I was just talking to my uh, my podcast friends here. <laughs> you know how you know how Mister Rogers would always call uh, always call the watchers the watchers. Um, he would always <laughs> he would always call the viewers uh, his television neighbor. Uh, wait, his television neighbor? Isn't that what it I was? I mean, it makes sense because this is like his whole thing was like, won't you be my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And by saying yes, or by continuing to watch the program, you were saying, yes, I would be your neighbor. And in the sense, we are all neighbors on this pale blue dot. Uh, very good segue into our discussion for this week in our ongoing series on engineered wonders. Uh, the wonder that Mr. is... Mr. Rogers. <laughs> that man is a natural wonder. He was a robot. <laughs> oh. Pretty great robot. Right? Really I, great robot. I just really admire Mr. Rogers. Don't don't we just mm-hmm. don't we just love him? The best. Um So uh yes, we're talking about uh the Voyager space program. In which uh in which what? <laughs> which we heard uh a, a a very lovely intro to at the beginning of this podcast from one Mr. Ben Tippett, our friend. Mm-hmm. Um you may recall that he did work uh, for us previously on the Nintendo Power Glove episode. Did work for us. Did he's work. a very gracious returning contributor to the podcast. Um, he's fantastic. And my gosh, he writes a mean intro, don't you think, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, he, he makes the great point of uh, putting things into perspective. Um, I, 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 Listening to that, I thought, oh, Ben is much better at putting things in perspective than I am. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, he's a real master. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't, I don't think we're too bad. We do it in our own way. Sure. Well, we all have our own way. And let us begin our own way in discussing uh, the Voyager spacecraft. So, do you know, uh, there's two Voyagers, right? Yes, there are two. Do you know why? Uh, because one of them, uh, didn't work. Say no. Like for redundancy, (laughs) maybe? In a sense. So Voyager 2 was launched before Voyager 1, um, because it actually is going to, it actually got overtaken by Voyager 1 eventually. So I guess they were sort of named for when the, I don't know, whichever one is going to be in first place at the race to the edge of the solar system. Um, So Voyager 2 was launched with this idea that uh, if we launch right now, then the planets are going to align just so, so that we can do a flyby of Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. Um, 
Whereas Voyager 1 was like, eh, it's all right if we miss some of that stuff. Um, but it also went a lot Are faster. We so that Voyager 2 is Voyager 1? Excuse me? Why not rename them so that Voyager 2... Why why launch Voyager 2 first? And why why <laughs> keep that as Voyager 2? <laughs> well, this is my question. And I'm, I'm, pre- I'm supposing here. But um, I think... Uh, I mean, either there was just some engineering issue and they were like, all right, well, we're keeping them this way. Don't want to change all the part numbers. Right. Well, which really is like a legitimate thing that could happen. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Alternatively, um, because Voyager 1 was launched on a shorter, faster trajectory... Uh, it actually overcame Voyager 2 eventually because Voyager 2 had to make all these stops and like, you know, I got to go visit Uranus. I got to right. go visit them. Oh, my God. Um, Wait, that slowed it down. But I thought Voyager 2 was going much faster than Voyager 1. Uh, not eventually. Oh, yeah. I don't okay. I, I don't actually know which things uh, it's, it's overall trajectory. But uh, mm. eventually Voyager 1 overcame it. I think. OK, yeah. OK, so Voyager uh one flew past jupiter and then saturn and then um it kind of just kept going uh right whereas voyager 2 appears to have used some of the uh gravitational assist from saturn to mm, i'm gonna loop de loo around uranus in a sense yes it yeah. had to it uh basically the two of them spiraled out from earth they they went in a right. big old spiral and yeah. Voyager when it got to Saturn was like it it, it had less bend on its spiral and it just kind of kept going straight <laughs> whereas Voyager 2 kind of kept more bend on its spiral so that it could catch up with mm-hmm. some of those other planets which eventually uh you know it, its trip was longer it was like having to go to the post office as well as uh, the grocery store I always thought Saturn was the grocery store of planets What why Um I don't know got a lot of stuff <laughs> Huh What's your favorite planet? Maybe, oh, I don't know. I do like Saturn. I like it's got all the rings. It's got lots of moons. Uh, lots of moons. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like big. Does it have more or less moons than Jupiter? Jupiter? No idea. Um, we will look that up later. Uh, hmm. I don't know. What's your favorite planet? Hmm. Can't be Pluto. Pluto's not a planet. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I like Mars a lot. What do you like about Mars? I like, um, uh, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but that Ray Bradbury book, The Martian Chronicles, I think oh, just had yeah. a really big impact on me. <laughs> I like that it's just the, the most similar planet to Earth in terms of like could have housed life. Mm. Um, and I just think that's cool to think about. I, yeah, I agree. I think it's nice that we have a buddy planet wise. <laughs> it's good to have pals. Yeah. So I wonder, uh, so there's lots of ways to think about the Voyager program, um, because it is an engineered wonder, wonder, wonder. Mm. Um, <laughs> I did that with my very own voice. Uh, and I, you know, I think Ben presents us with one version where it's like, it, there, there's the, the romance of it outlasting everybody. Um, yes. And then I think sometimes I think of it in terms of uh, the exploration. Like, we, this is the first time we got to see close-up photos of Jupiter and Saturn. Mm-hmm. And, and then going... And the picture of the pale blue dot. Right. Which uh, we could get to. I don't know. You want to talk about that now or you want to talk about it later? I think, well, I mean, I think it's natural to talk about it now. <laughs> sure. Um, since we were talking about imaging. Well... Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess if you want to if you want to view a conversation through that particular cross section. Well, gosh, Tim, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. It's just like it's just like if I was just I feel like, like you're threatening to pull this podcast over. Yep. We're, <laughs> we're going to go back to Ben's intro. I Sorry. I mean, what are you going to do? No, no. no. You did it. I mean, this you brought this on okay. us, both of us. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Not that I don't like hearing Ben's intro. Um, Here's the thing. Go on. No, no. So I just feel like it's like I, I mentioned. <laughs> Do you know what just happened? I said, here's the thing. And you're like, okay. Wait, no, 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 I don't want to hear you say Yeah, that's what I remembered. I remembered after I said okay, it was like a knee-jerk thing. I remembered like, wait, I was mad, and I had a thing to say to Catherine. <laughs> oh, we're going nowhere fast you here. You don't get to use your... You don't get to use your here's the thing power words on me. <laughs> um, my point is, it is like my, my talking about like, Oh, uh, yeah, my sister uh, sent me a selfie from her trip to Bermuda, and you being like, oh, speaking of imagery, the pale blue dot. <laughs> I think, okay, well. I feel like that's the leap you made. <laughs> How are we having a long argument about the structure of our podcast as part of our podcast? This is terrible radio. This is not about the podcast, it's about the nature of conversation. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so the pale blue dot, you say. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> um, why don't we come back in just a minute uh, while we listen to the dulcet tones of, oh, I don't know, how about this selection from the golden record on the Voyager called Mud Pots, when we're back in a moment on Encyclopedia Brunch. And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch, talking about the Voyager spacecraft and leading into the pale blue dot. Now, that, that, dot? Read, that read went all wrong. <laughs> Who put this punctuation in here? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> um, what can you tell us about the pale blue dot photo? It's a photo. Yes. Well, I was going to say, like, Voyager 2 is really impressive um, or really useful to us for a lot of reasons. And of course, like you said, one of them before was getting close to Jupiter and Saturn and Uranus and Pluto too, right? Like all of them. The I don't, whole no, no, actually, I don't think it got to Pluto. Neptune? It did, did get, get to Neptune? Neptune, yes. Did get to Neptune. Didn't get to hang out with Pluto, but that's okay. Pluto's not a planet anyway. Well, that was the New Horizons mission. <gasps> Scandal. Oh my goodness, conspiracy. What if they were like, we just can't get enough data about Pluto. We're going to throw it. Uh, well, no, Pluto is just, it has a huge orbit, and it's like, you know, it's crazy, like, I, well, we took advantage of this, like, strange harmonic thing going on with uh, the planets, which only happens once every 175 years in order to catch even those four planets, so, I mean, let's just let's just count our blessings that we managed to make that work. It's kind of an amazing confluence of things that we had, um, a, cl- a cultural force as powerful as Carl Sagan to put the golden record on the Voyager at this very narrow 175-year window. Mm. 
Oh, well, okay, wait, wait let, let's let's try to stay focused for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. The Pale Blue Dot. Uh, mm-hmm. So we went out and saw this stuff, and then where were you going there? Oh, I was, I mean, <laughs> what do you mean, where was I going? I don't know, you started talking about the Pale Blue Dot. I was dot. going to Trader Joe's, do you need anything? Uh, I could use a couple of Pale Blue Dots. Um, <laughs> okay, so the Pale Blue Dot is a uh, a photo taken... I mean, do you want to talk about it or not? I'll yeah, just, I do. I'll I just do. Keep going I do if want you don't to want to do it. it. Please okay. keep going. No, no. no do you want to talk really about it? Uh, <laughs> so the play. Uh, now I'm all gun shy. I'm all self conscious now. <laughs> I'll play some more selections from the Golden Record if you need a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. So. When we get to oh past the past Neptune right past the last planet, mm. um, Voyager was programmed to turn around and take a picture of Earth, mm-hmm. and it's just like one pixel on this extremely high res picture, um, and it's you can just see like how small we are from so far away and just like how big and black space is, um, and it, we never had that before. Yeah, we'd never seen ourselves in that context. Right. As, as uh, Carl Sagan went on to put it, he said that, you know, everybody and everything you've ever known lives on that little tiny pale blue dot. Uh, let's see. All all of human history. No, I'm not going to try. No, oh, Carl Sagan, you have the greatest voice. Um, <laughs> pointed out that all of human history has happened on this tiny pixel, uh, which he had to circle because you kind of can't see it otherwise. It, it sort of looks like the picture didn't come out if you just if you just. Look for it, it does kind of and it kind of makes me wonder like they were like oh <laughs> when they like first got the picture back they're like well this is useless why <laughs> did we do this this is a terrible picture this was a total waste of time and carl sagan like takes it and he takes one look at it and he's like i can work with this <laughs> <laughs> well so, so he argued for it in the first place because it actually it doesn't have any scientific merit in that there is no there's no data to be taken about this other than like yeah i guess there's pretty far away Huh. <laughs> um, and so he argued for it specifically for that reason that we've never had this right. photo before of like, oh man, we're so small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it would have been fun if you turned around and then there was like a big alien spaceship like behind us. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of fun Photoshop opportunities with this picture. I mean, <laughs> like Mars reaching over and giving us bunny ears. <laughs> Well, I do find I find it extremely charming that it was taken as part of the quote family portrait series of images, where it went around and took all the uh, photos of all the planets in the solar system. Cute. Yeah, it's very cute. <laughs> so yeah, it would it, Mars would give us bunny ears, wouldn't it? Because we're the closest with Mars. We're um, mm-hmm. what do you call them? Irish cousins or Irish uh, Irish twins? I, oh, Irish twins. That's where because we were born like within a year of each other. Yeah, or two years. You're like pretty. I, so I feel like if I knew the solar family, um, I might be never quite remembering whether Earth or Mars is older, you know? <sighs> which one's the one that orbits fourth out and which is third? Or, hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, the way that with Irish Irish twins, you often are just like, yeah, I don't know. They're like about the same. I don't know. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh distance from the sun is age in terms in this analogy we're making a lot of leaps with this metaphor i don't know why you can't go one more with me 
yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, I just want to make sure I'm making the right leaps mm. and I don't leap in the wrong direction. And then I end up all wet because I fell in the lake. Right. Because we're jumping from lily pads. Yes. Well, of course. Where else does one leap? All right. <laughs> I played Frogger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, so uh, let's see. So I think, uh, yeah, the pale blue dot gives you the sense of, of just scale and, and massive size. And then um, another way to get that same kind of just like, whoa, this is so much bigger than us. That's much, much less visual. Um, you know, we're very visual beings. Uh, mm-hmm. But is that the entire Voyager leaving the solar system thing that uh, went on apparently over the course of like 10 years, very slowly, uh, because, guys, the edge of our solar system is really complicated. Uh, oh, God, it's so complicated. <laughs> so do you uh, do you have a sense do of I? do you tango? I don't know. No. Oh, okay. Do One you... time. It's too hard. <laughs> Two times. Dun, dun. Um... <laughs> One tango this time. <laughs> and then they, everyone ha- pulls out a rose from their back pocket. You're like, why <laughs> Why at this wedding does everyone have a rose? Well, we knew we'd be doing the tango oh, slide. It's just, it's just tradition. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> uh, and so... Um, do you have uh, any sense of what the whole deal is with like how we were able to figure out what uh that we were leaving the solar system? Yes, it's um gamma ray detection frequency. Uh, is it not? I think it's a bunch of things. Cosmic rays. Yeah, which may or may not be gamma rays, and I don't really remember. Hmm. 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 Mm, um, I suspect we're going to get some corrections <laughs> from some awesome physicist friends of ours. <laughs> well, so my understanding is that it, it comes from a lot of different uh, instruments, but mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe the one that's easiest for us to talk about as uh, uh, Astro Layman, um, <laughs> which is sort of like a blue collar job in the future, right? Um, is a uh, <laughs> Is when we talk about the solar wind and so how we can tell if we're still in the heliosphere or if we hit the termination shock or the helio sheath or the heliopause or the, oh, what's happening now? Um, helio, I don't know. <laughs> uh, helio, no, we don't know. Um, uh, I like that as like a sort of uh, a- academic protest is, oh, no, we don't know. Um, okay, so, but I think it's it's useful to determine those terms anyway, because when we say leave the solar system, like, my first thought is like, okay, that means you got past Pluto. But it's not really what we mean, and that's, no. that's also how, like, when we detected it, why it wasn't photography that detected we were leaving. Um, right, yeah. And so, the first thing to start with is that the sun shoots off, uh, plasma, essentially, out mm-hmm. in all directions, and we call that the yeah. solar wind. And uh, that makes keep going. Okay, uh, that that makes a little bubble, essentially, because the solar wind sort of. Um, and there's a really good analogy for this, which the solar wind is sort of pushing out, and then we've got mm-hmm. the interstellar medium that's providing uh, that's kind of pushing back on this bubble. Yeah, which is kind of just like your background particles and plasma and. Uh, rays, rays, right? Yeah. I think so. 
Um, and so we got this bubble that shoots out, and it's a lot like, and we'll include this picture in the notes because I found it useful. Um, you can apparently think of it at least a little bit in terms of fluid dynamics, so like water. Um, and so if you're running the sink and it has a little bit of water in the basin of the sink, right mm -hmm. at the base of where the sink is first hitting the bottom of the basin, usually that's mm -hmm. like flat, right? There's a lot of yes. like flat water. And then like eventually there's a sort of wall that forms of like more of the water that you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like there's – it's a little bit like a ripple, but it just – it's sustaining its diameter. Does that make sense? Um. Like a ripple, the diameter of the ripple increases with time. But with this, the diameter stays the same. Right. Because in a ripple... Because the, the density of the like little the other water in the basin like keeps it in place. So it's like pushback force. Yeah. It's pressure on the, the interface. Right. Exactly. You've got fast water that's pushing... There's not a lot of it, but it's pushing real hard. And then mm -hmm. you've got uh, a lot of water, but it's not moving very fast. And that's pushing back mm -hmm. in. And there's a certain point where the water... The fast water is slowed down enough where... It's the two are right equal, and that's exactly where you find that uh, that crossover where that big wall of water happens. Yeah, it's much easier if you just look at the photo. Um, it'll be in the notes. <laughs> but so the same thing happens with our solar wind, and uh, we were able to detect that uh, we hit what is called the termination shock, which is that big wall of water where suddenly it's like, uh, yeah, this isn't mostly solar wind anymore; it's other stuff. And then I guess it gets kind of trend. It gets complicated, and there's this whole transition region. We call it the heliosheath. Uh, and then oh, finally, Lordy. we hit the edge of the heliopause. And um, that uh, that is where we say we're officially super-duper interstellar. 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 <laughs> uh, as Christopher Nolan would say, officially interstellar. Does that make sense? I've been making really bad jokes all day, so... Can I, can I, can I, can I just apologize? Uh, <laughs> can we not talk about it? Absolutely. Apology accepted. <laughs> uh, and so we'll be back in a moment. And uh, this is another selection from the golden record on Voyager, Horse and Cart. back on encyclopedia brunch listening to the delta tones of the horse and cart and so uh much of what i was trying to get at with that lengthy 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 discussion of the heliosphere <laughs> was that we didn't know much of that stuff like and we didn't we hadn't seen close-up pictures of those planets and um to me that's often what i find inspiring about this mission is that like yes there's the whole like it'll just be out there forever like there's there's sort of a time dynamic of like whoa time is so big and like everything is going to happen and like also we only had a chance to shoot this out once every 175 years like this is the sort of project where like not only will it outlast whoever worked on it but like it'll outlast more than that um maybe a few generations from now someone else could have another shot to do this kind of project right yeah um and so that's the time aspect. But I also think, I mean, the space aspect is crazy, too, because it's like, man, this stuff was launched in the end of the 70s. Like, and we're just getting to the edge of the uh, solar system and we're just finding out what's there. We didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that is amazing. Um, and I mean, 
there's also the aspect of it that's amazing that it's it's really representative of how desperate we are as just a species to share and to not be alone and how alone we feel on our planet. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a pretty big planet, but somehow we're just really good at loneliness. There's a lot of us here, and <laughs> yet we've still managed to find a way to be very alone. Um, More people than you could I, ever meet. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if, like, if there was another sentient species, if we would feel less alone. I mean, certainly we'd try to kill each other, but... That is our way. <laughs> um, I mean, there was I Neanderthals for a while. Yeah, that didn't work out, did it? I mean, I don't know. It kind of did. There's a lot of Neanderthal DNA in uh, in humans, so... Okay, so sometimes it worked out, sometimes yeah. it didn't. I'm sure there was a lot of really happy relationships that a lot of parents did not approve of. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to know what they were up to way back then. It is hard to know. It is hard to know. It has, it's hard to know how consensual those relationships were. Um, For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have the... I guess... Mm, no, I don't know. It's hard to know. Listen, I, th I think probably the best thing for us is to not make assumptions about our ancient, ancient, ancient uh, ancestors. Like, uh, I'm sure they did their best, and I don't know what else to say about this. It's kind of like your parents. Like, hey, they did their best with what they were given. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, except I do feel like I have more. I have a little. Okay, that's the thing. Is I have, like, a little more <laughs> evidence for criticism of my parents. But even then. We have enough data. <laughs> there, there is still, like, a little, like, yeah, you don't know how it was. And to that uh as evidence yeah. for not knowing how it was and also for how much we want to reach out and meet people i bring you uh the golden record on the voyager what do you know about the golden record um let's see that carl sagan and that lady put it together and then they got married <laughs> uh her name was ann Druyan. yes her okay. just like <laughs> want to give her credit you know yeah no, no no thank you for having that we don't we don't want to invite carl sagan plus one we want to invite Carl and Ann. Yeah. Or Ann and Carl. Over for dinner. Oh, God, that would have been great. I don't know. They seemed like... There's that Radio Lab episode where they interviewed her, and she just, like, seemed so in love with him. And it's like, I guess we all are, but, like, I don't know. She was so in love with him that she meditated on how much she loved him for an hour and then put that on the Voyager record. <laughs> so the Voyager record. Uh, yeah. It's uh yeah so it, it's a golden record that plays like a long playing record. It's made out of gold because it'll last uh, mm -hmm. a good long time out in space, um, theoretically forever. But eh, you never know. Um, and uh, and then it also has pictures on it. Um, so it plays sounds which we've been playing all this time, and the sounds are mostly uh sounds of Earth. There's uh Earthling music, uh including uh let's see Chuck Berry. Um, I don't know. What else we got here? Uh, uh, violin music, string quartet. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, and then traditional music from around the world. Wait, are you saying that Johnny Be Good is on this album? Is it? Let me try to find that. What? Chuck, Chuck Berry, Berry song. Yep, it's Johnny Be Good. Um, oh, wonderful. It's a good mix. All right, so we got Bach. We got, uh, Chuck Berry. There's another Bach. There's a Mozart. Um, <laughs> let's see. Hey, Chuck, it's your cousin, Cousin Martian. <laughs> <laughs> you know that new sound you've been looking for? 
Well, listen to this. Horse clop, horse clop, horse clop, horse clop. <laughs> Tractor, riveter. <laughs> yep. Listen to this. <laughs> Tame dog. <laughs> oh, boy. I wish my only hope. Okay, okay. Here, here's what... But your kids' kids will be really into it. <laughs> <laughs> my my greatest hope i think is that uh is that i think i think what would make me would would quench the sense of loneliness deep inside me is that some alien gets the record and is able to somehow get a copy of back to the future <laughs> and decides that like that'd be a pretty good goof i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna send back that call like let's get those signals ready using faster than light travel because not only not only is there another advanced civilization <laughs> out there in the universe, but they're just as weird as you are. And yeah. I'm just as quirky a sense of humor. That's all I want. <laughs> Validation. Weirdos to be weird with. <laughs> uh, so uh, just to highlight some other things that go on this record. Um, there's a bunch of these photos, and we're going to include some of these on the show notes as well, because it's just like, oh, I wouldn't have included these photos. They're all just very 70s. My favorite is the image depicting humans drinking, licking, and eating as modes of feeding. It's just like, it's just gross. Like, everybody's all sweaty. And the guy doing the drinking is like, uh, I don't know. He's just very 70s. He's got sunglasses on and polyester shirt. Ugh. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know. And so I think the thing that also gets me is that there is a message from Jimmy Carter on this, which is like, yeah, I mean, I guess it was funded by the by the uh an american Listen, institution if you are if you are the president of the united states like if you were jimmy carter wouldn't you be like oh yeah no totally can i can i can i say something i'm the president i can do that right <laughs> uh yeah i guess i don't know but that's what bugs me about it is that like so the whole deal with this record and and like they go through great pains for a while to like do like assume that you know people will not the people, the aliens who discover it are like nothing like us. And, you know, mm -hmm. they do things like include um, just basic repeating patterns that are assumed to be physical constants. You know, so right. like uh, they draw out uh, one dot and then they write their symbol for that. And then two dots and they write their symbol for that. And three and, you know, so on. Um, and then they like include like, here's the uh, emission spectrum of the hydrogen atom, because we assume that's probably the same everywhere. And any advanced civilization would probably need to figure that out. Um, yeah. But then, so it's all these things where it's like, what is humanity? Or like Earth itself? Like, we need to put this onto a disc. And then, uh, then you just get Jimmy Carter being like, hello, I was, I was the president of some country once. It was important in my time, but probably not anymore. <laughs> I lost a canal. Bye. <laughs> See your episode on the Panama Canal. So I guess, I. My my thought here in closing is uh what 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 do you feel about this? Does this, this make you lonely or hopeful or because it is it, it space is big, time is big. Representing humanity on a golden record is impossible. But at the same time, it's an exploration, right? It's it's us going out in a way that we yeah. really haven't been able to do. It makes me proud. That's nice. <laughs> what does it make you feel? All, all of the above. 
Um, I think largely, yeah, it does make me feel very, very much like excited and exploratory. Like, yeah, mm. this is great. Like, uh, because you know, uh, Alexander Webb, there were no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> yeah. So we went to outer space and did something much, much bigger than us. Which I think is um, much of the wonder of these these engineered wonders really comes from their scale, uh, and that it is something much bigger than us. And mm-hmm. one of the nice things about the Voyager is that it takes away many of the challenges we talked about last episode with the Panama Canal, and that um, there are it's a big planet, and there's a lot of people on it, and we really don't understand a lot of it, and we could hurt a lot of people by enacting large-scale things, uh, you know, bringing such shows of force and energy to, you know, any kind of project. But mm-hmm. the one in outer space, it, I mean, it kind of takes that out of the equation and it becomes just about hope and humanity. Um, and I think that's what really speaks to me about it, is that it's this, this is something that we can really reach out and explore. Um, I would also include in the show notes uh, the Sagan series, which is a thing that makes me cry every time um because it touches on a lot of these themes as well is that like man stuff's real complicated here on earth but like there's a lot of hope out there in space (laughs) it's um it's a blank slate and blank slates are real satisfying Mm. well and scary just like just like a blank page yep or uh, a big big empty space or a podcast episode that has not yet been recorded uh, which we will work on next week. Uh, Closing thoughts? Well, yeah, no one thought. What do you think is more, like in a metaphorical sense, what do you think is more terrifying? Uh, a really, really messy page that's just soup, that just seems like it might be beyond repair? <laughs> or a blank page? Uh, I kind of asked what you're, depends what you're asked to do. Am I managing uh. the page? Am I supposed to create like something beautiful out of the page? Live with the page. I can live with a messy page. I don't know if I feel great about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly what... I, it's just like my my oft-repeated phrase. I can live with this. Regular bromeliad over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll continue living with myself and this life until next week. Until then, that's Catherine Cogan over there. Tim Bob's over here. She sees what she wants to Bye. Oh, <laughs>